Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, your 2021 pregame show for the Vikings. Hey everybody, it's Dave here from Two Old Bloggers. Good morning, Galahorn spinoff show. We're part of the Climbing the Pocket Network and partner with Daily Norsemen. But I'm only one part of the two old bloggers. The other part is sitting next to me, probably a thousand miles away, up in Yellowknife, Canada. (laughs) Mr. Darren Campbell, how are you doing today? Doing well, Dave. Soaking up the whole six days after a Viking victory, so first one of the year. Made the made the Sunday very nice and the whole rest of the work week nice too. Just it, kept on thinking. Anytime I got bored or or uh, with work or uh, annoyed with it, I just thought about uh, the Vikings beating the Seahawks and I was all good. Yes, it was a good week. Skull, skull Clifford, Clifford, Skull Viking Jerome, Skull Mary, Skull Joseph. Glad to have you guys here today. There are plenty of storylines abound coming up tomorrow. Now, I know we feature quite a few, and we will, but we'll also talk about what it will take to continue the Vikings' winning streak. Right now it's at one. Can they get to (laughs) two? Yeah, I know, yeah. Really, exactly, yeah. Got to keep on stacking up those wins. Yep. Hey there, Quang. How you doing? Well, we'll start this. The first thing you wanted to talk about. What's Quang got? What was he holding there in the photo? Looks like Quang. a samurai sword. Make another. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought too, but I, I didn't want to be like stereotypical about it. <laughs> um, but anyways, he, the first thing you wanted to talk about was the Vikings front seven has to slow down the two-headed running back game of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They do, and what a challenge this is going to be for the Vikings front seven. Um, In case uh, you haven't been following, uh, if you haven't been following the Browns, like uh, the, there are the stats, folks. Uh, very impressive on the running side. They haven't run for less than 153 yards in a game in the first three games this year, and that's no fluke because last year they were a, a top rushing attack too. Um, really, really difficult because the, the the Vikings' run defense has not been particularly stout this this year. We saw that again in the first half against Seattle. Chris Carson did everything he wanted to do. Uh, luckily, things changed in the second half, partly because their offense had the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, really, like Nick Chubb, uh, he has been in the league. This is his fourth season in the league, and he's uh, he's averaging over five yards per carry. He's averaged over five yards per carry every year this year. So it's not even not even a case of a couple of years where he had big years and a couple where he was uh, like a regular Joe. That's he's been like. Adrian Peterson peak years, uh, you know, running as far as the type of productivity he has. And Kareem Hunt's no slouch either. Uh, what really makes these guys tough is I've watched a few, a couple of the Browns games, and up until last year, 
probably a lot of us football fans did not watch any Browns games at all because they were terrible and there was really no reason to watch them. <laughs> but, but they, you know, they got good last year, made the playoffs. Uh, you got some airtime, airtime, national TV coverage. And, you know, the Chubb and Chubb and Hunt are one thing that the Browns really got going is that they, they don't, both of them are pretty much, are in a timeshare as a running mm-hmm. backs. They don't one. They don't. It's not like the Vikings with Cook, when, who takes the vast majority of the carries. Both of these guys will get roughly an equal number of carries. Chubb usually a little bit more than Hunt, but they're usually around. The, you know, Chubb will get 15, 16 carries a game, and or Chubb will get 18, maybe a bit more. Hunt will get around 14, 15. But there's no drop off when these guys go in. Uh, like, and. They're very similar in kind of the way they run. They're tough to bring down. They run hard. They, you know, if you put, they, you think you got them, they'll stick a, a foot in the ground and make a quick cut and they're by you. Uh, if you, and if you, you know, excellent wide receivers out of the backfield. And uh, if that's not good enough, they also, their offensive line is 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 pretty good. Some mm-hmm. some of the the games against Kansas City and Houston that I watched uh, earlier this week, there are some massive massive holes that those guys are running through uh, on fairly regular, frequent occasions. And when you're as good as those two are, and you've got big holes like that, and you get to the second level, really tough for the defense to bring you down in open field like that. And uh, even even when the holes look plugged up, it's kind of funny. You you don't think anything's there. Then all of a sudden, four or five yards later, they've got it. You know, they've got a pretty decent gain on first or second down. So very tough because they're very talented backs, both running and receiving. They and then they have they have an offensive line that is also very good and has played together for, for the last two years. Um, you know, pretty much solidly the whole time. Uh, as, as I wrote up in the uh, um, write-up for this show, their offensive line per football outsiders DVO rank is second in the league. That's yep. really, really, really good. Ours is, you'll see it here a little bit later, isn't quite that good. But uh, uh, the Vikings' defense will definitely, as Mary said, have a test on their hands come tomorrow. I don't really see, and I don't see the, the how do the Vikings stop this? Well, none of the three teams that the Browns have played this year have stopped the running game at all. The Chiefs didn't do it, but their defense isn't very good. The Texans were okay in the first quarter, some of the second quarter, but by the second half, uh, they wilted. And then last week, the the Bears, who generally have a very good run defense, they got run over big time. They gave up over 200 yards rushing. Now, part of that was because they got wore down because the offense was so terrible. But, but we've seen the Vikings. What really worries me about this is, uh, A, Michael Pierce might not be playing. He's questionable right now. That's a big wide body mm-hmm. that I think that would be useful in a game like this. So if he's not playing or his snaps are limited, that means that the Vikings are going to either use uh, Armin Watts as more or they put Sheldon Richardson more than they have, not just on passing downs but running downs. And 
either of those guys I don't think are the run stoppers that Michael Pierce is. Right. Uh, the other and thing that, that's uh, if Pierce doesn't go ahead. if Pierce doesn't play, and from what I gather, the shoulder injury is a pain tolerance type injury. There's no structural damage. Um, from what I've read, that if he doesn't play, expect Dalvin Tomlinson to move down to the middle to play over center. And Sheldon Richardson will become your primary three tech. Yeah. But I also expect a whole lot of rotation by Armin Watts to keep those guys somewhat fresh and Everson Griffin down to the three tech position to see, you know, especially on passing downs, to see how that goes. Hey, G Mac, welcome to the show. Yes, is Jerry, Jerry Ball. Ball. What a name, what a stomach. Even now. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out the the Griff as a three technique because he did play that quite a bit in the Seattle game. I noticed Mm -hmm. that his snaps were really up. They had him on the inside quite a bit, especially on passing downs, but not always on passing downs. It was also on like neutral downs as well, uh, which I thought was interesting because uh, the the Vikings did that. You remember when the Vikings did that in the New Orleans game and they had Hunter and Griff both inside Mm -hmm. on passing downs and that really threw New Orleans for a loop. But uh, that with if Pierce can't go, we might be seeing Griff in there a lot more. And I don't know how I like that so much because um, I think yeah, I think we need we need the beef in the middle, the meaty boys. But if you don't if you don't have all the meaty boys, you got to go with I guess w- what there is. I don't. Yeah. I've never been a. I've never been a. I haven't really been. Armin Watts doesn't. Uh, he's not a guy that I really like all that much. Uh, he's a big body, but I I think in the running game he's not as stout as you'd expect him to be. So if he has to play a lot of snaps, I think that the Cleveland offensive line, the interior is going to like that a lot more than facing Pierce and Tomlinson. Uh, Richardson, like I said, he's, uh, I like Richardson, but again, he's more of a, at this point in his career, he's more of a, like a, a guy you have in the past rushing downs more than the, than the, than the neutral or the possible, the rundowns. Uh, not a great matchup for the Vikings. And also, the other big thing is, which has been an issue all all season, and not just uh, for all eleven guys on defense, is tackling. Tackling has been terrible. Yes. I think a lot of, especially in the open field, you're just seeing big whiffs. It doesn't. Peterson got burned. Xavier Woods got burned last week. Uh, Hunter missed a tackle. Now he got. It was a big. He got a big mitt in his in his face from the running back, but even he, even he's missing tackles. If you're not tackling well against the Browns, uh, I think it's a big big going to be a big big problem for the Vikings. Um, the, the, I think the the best way that we can expect this to go and for the Vikings to have the most success is really what happened last week where the offense was the defense's best friend and possessed the ball a lot, especially in the second half and kept the ball away. Long, steady drives, long, steady drives. This time let's score some touchdowns on those long, steady drives in the second half instead of the, the, you know, instead of settling for field goals. But I, I don't see the Vikings It'd be great if they could stuff the the run because forcing Baker Mayfield to pass a lot more, uh, I think that's it's an advantage. And I brought up uh, or maybe not with the way our corners play. Well, I did bring up the the injury report because I was curious about Pierce, Um, Odell Beckham, who was limited earlier in the week, will be playing. 
So that's their primary wide receiver for Baker. And our defensive backfield has to do their thing. Hopefully the defensive front four does theirs and at least occupies blockers so that linebackers, Kendricks, uh, Vigil, and who knows, maybe even Barr, get room to shut things down at the line of scrimmage. That will be key, in my opinion. Quang, and I don't think I'm actually pronouncing that right, but he, he's mentioned a couple of things. He's saying we need Harrison Smith at the line of scrimmage a bit more, being a bit nosy, and how about throwing four linebackers out there? Uh, I think the, the issue, and a lot, a lot of teams, Dave, this has been mentioned on telecasts, uh, mm-hmm. I've, you know, when the, when the Packers were playing and a couple other games, as well as the Vikings games, teams are having, particularly teams facing a really good quarterback, but teams are really having to make a decision. Like, do you keep, if you keep both safeties high, like kind of a cover two thing, right. uh, and say, okay, try to run it on us, uh, that's w- one thing, and test the quarterback's patience. Uh, in, th- in that case, if you do that against the, the Browns, I think you're really inviting that. I don't think that will work very well because no. they're going to take gonna that all, all day. day. They're going to run all day, and they're going to say, thank you very much, and we'll take those four or five-yard, six-yard games all the time and just go down the field and kill a bunch of clock and, and beat you that way. Now, it, so the Vikings may have to, I think, the, bring Smith or Woods or one or the other, bringing them up, bringing more guys in the box. Let's see if they play it like that early in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might want to have to test that out. Try to stuff the run. Try to get May- Mayfield in more of a obvious passing situations and see what happens. Now, Mayfield has been much more accurate this year than he has in the past. He's completing about 73 74% of mm-hmm. his passes this year. Uh, the previous three years, he was uh, one year he was under 60%, which in today's NFL is not very good. And he's been kind of in the low 60s the other two years. So he's about throwing, he's about 10%. His completion percentage is about ten percent better right now than it has been throughout his his and you know his his career. It's it's early. It's three games, but uh, he looks like he's you know at least the play calling is allowing him to uh, throw be a bit more accurate. One thing I noticed about Mayfield is uh, he really likes to probably most quarterbacks do, but he really likes to like hit hit when he his foot hits on the end of his drop. Mm-hmm. He makes that likes to hit that first read quickly. Uh, if he has to, if, if he doesn't, if he isn't able to hit that first read, and he has to like make decisions after that, that's where things kind of get gummed up in the in the Browns' passing attack. I found, and he does have a tendency to airmail one or two throws a game that are pretty easy throws, and he just overthrows them. Guys, against the Houston game, he overthrew a guy badly on two straight pass attempts and one of them got picked off um but he's a very mobile quarterback too uh yet another one that the vikings have yeah to but he's face. he's not as he's not as joystick mobile no, as no. the previous two and that's where i think our defense might have uh a possible in if they can get pressure on him in under two and a half seconds they can force the issue and that will help the, our defensive backs in the process. The question is, will they? We know Daniil Hunter 
will be fired up and he should be ready to go. But it's the combination of Weatherly slash Wanham slash Griffin on the other side. Can they get that along with some sort of quasi push up the middle between Richardson and Tomlinson? We'll see. And uh, are you able to get the Browns in second and eight, second and mm-hmm. seven, second and six, or, or third, we're, we're third gonna... and six, third and seven, as opposed to like second and three or second and two, or if they get a first down on the first down run and right. just rinse, rinse, repeat, and mm-hmm. move down the field consistently all day, just running it on us. Um, Mary thinks what we have seen. Challenge. Yeah, the defense. I was. I looked at the again. I watched the Vikings, the Seattle Vikings mm-hmm. game again a couple of times on the condensed version, and because uh, I think the Vikings held the ball in the second half, they hit on offense. I think they held the ball twenty-two minutes or something ridiculous wow. like that, and uh, and scored on three of their four, three of the four. drives in that half. And so that obviously helps your defense quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. They're fresh, and they and it limits the amount of possessions that the op- opponents get. But I did when I looked at it again, I did have to give the Vikings credit. Uh, they they stopped the Seahawks on all three, four of their drives. Now the fourth one was like with a minute left, and right. there was no chance of anything going on. But the other three were, they stopped them, and then they made some big plays on all three of those drives to that they hadn't been making in the first half of that game and in many other quarters in the previous two games, like Griffer Griffin had that big sack, uh, made it second and 15 that kind of short circuited uh, the Seahawks drive their first drive of the half. And in the second, uh, in the second drive, uh, I, there was a, they snuffed out a running back screen to Carson, made it second and six, and then um, they forced, they pressured Wilson and forced him to make a, an overthrow on a on a receiver who was open. And the third drive again, Kendricks had that big sack on first down, made it like second and f- fourteen, something like that. And and you know they again they they rolled from there. So they made the defense Vikings defense as maligned as they have been, as much as you and I have complained about mm-hmm. them. They did make some big plays in the second half. Uh, they, um, I saw some stats on the amount of pressure they got against Wilson in that game. And I can't remember right now. I didn't write it down, unfortunately, but it was a, a fairly high pressure percentage, probably partly because the Seahawks offensive line is not that great, but nonetheless, we did pressure Wilson mm-hmm. quite a bit. And, uh, that leaves some, uh, reason for optimism that tomorrow against the Browns, when they have to pass the Vikings, maybe can get pressure, can force some bad throws from Mayfield, and can get off the field. Well, speaking of pressures, I was listening, and I want to say it was Mackey was talking about that. There's two pressure numbers now. There's total pressures that PFF gives us, and then there's pressures he was looking at someplace, and I don't remember where. Pressure's under 2.5 seconds. Because if it's under 2.5 seconds, the pressure obviously is... um, on the quarterback, he still has it in his hands versus a quarterback that's sitting there holding, 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 running outside the pocket and gets pressured um, on the longer ones. And the pressure under 2.5 seconds, 34% of the the rushes fell into that category, and that is a great number for those. So last week, the pressures were up. The speed to pressure has improved tremendously. If that continues against the Browns, that will help 
tremendously. <laughs> Absolutely tremendously. Gwang had a pretty pretty good yeah. singer there on, on Zimmer. Zim. All right, it's yeah. time to switch to the next topic. The next topic for today is, where did I put those? Here we go. This big guy, Miles Garrett, the number one leading, he's first in the league, sack master after three games. He has got five and a half sacks, and any time in this league, if you can average one sack per game, you are doing great. You are one of the best ones. Um, he is at five and a half. You can see his PFF scores there listed. Your question is, with him being so good and our offensive line improving, but not fantastic, how are they going to block this young man? Um, the uh, answer is they are going to block him uh, in as little time as possible. I think uh, what the uh, if I think most of you guys have um, I don't know if you checked it out, but Will Ludford had a, a story in, on the Daily Norseman earlier this week about kind of uh, um, I forget what it was about the Vikings offense and what we've okay. seen so far in the first three games. R- really good piece. Uh, Will always does really good stuff, and he uh, and he's been on your show before, uh, Dave. Uh, Will's uh, definitely a friend of the show and a good man. And he, he had uh, he had said that a um, couple of stats from that really jumped out at me was uh, this year three games, mind you, mm-hmm. three games. So uh, we'll see if that lasts for the other fourteen. Mm-hmm. But in three games with cousin Kirk's co- cousin this year, seventy six percent of the, his pass attempts he's gotten rid of the ball in two point five seconds or less. Uh-huh. Last year that. Uh, percentage was 49 percent significantly lower so so uh gary kubiak was re- or kirk or both were re- dependent i get maybe it was the roots they were running or mm-hmm. maybe it was uh, cousins indecision sometimes but uh, cousins was holding on to the ball longer when he passed than he is this year so far and uh surprise surprise the pressure rate uh-huh uh, was uh is 27 percent this year and it was 38 well almost basically 39 percent last year and the sack rate was seven percent last year and right now it's at four percent so all those things are lower significantly lower than last year which is also a good thing really what the vikings will be doing and have to do in this game is it's not so much blocking garrett but getting rid of the ball so you don't have to block them that's Mm -hmm kind of what it comes down to and if you think that that is uh, a uh, like only the something that the vikings do i'll let you know that uh, i didn't i didn't watch i didn't watch the bears game uh the bears browns game because mm-hmm. i didn't feel it was a good i would learn anything from that because uh, right. the bears offense was just set up for failure but i did watch houston in the Can- kansas city games uh re- watched them a couple of times and they even Patrick Mahomes, there he and Tyrod Tyrod Taylor when he was in there before he got hurt, they got rid of the ball quickly. That was the mo. Get rid of it quickly. Get it to get it into somebody's hands. Don't hold the ball long, and the and Kirk Cousins will have to be the same, uh, the same thing. I think that you know some of the things that they can also do. Houston did it a bit, but they did it more. 
when Taylor got hurt, he ran for a TD and then he, he hurt his ribs or something. And he's been out right. ever since. And Houston, Houston had to go to Davis Mills, a rookie that went about as well as you, as you would expect. But uh, Houston did, uh, they started chipping Garrett with a running back uh, along with mm-hmm. that helped a bit. They lined up a T tight end on his side a little bit. And um, they, they continued to try to get the ball out as quickly as they can. So I think those also, they, the other thing that the Vikings can do is they can slide a guard to Garrett's side. Um, that's all tight end, slide a guard to protection to Garrett's side, chip him with a running back. But those are three things that they can do, and I think you will see a bit of that. But I think the biggest thing is going to be that they're going to continue doing what they've already done the previous three games, which is get rid of the ball you know within 2.5 don't hold it yeah don't hold it for three seconds or longer unless you absolutely have to uh, or else Garrett which means will get home eventually relatively shorter passes around the 10 yard maybe 15 yard mark anything deep takes time to develop so yep. he's like most of the season he relies on justin jefferson and adam thielen and those guys uh Conklin to get yards after catch. But you hit on something about chipping. Viking Jerome first said it right here when he posted it, chip his ass, <laughs> right? And uh, he wasn't the only one. Joseph said sick Ellison on him. on, uh, And Quang also said chip him. If you want to listen to some real good offensive line breakdown, listen to a friend of the show, Luke Braun, who does... Uh, Locked on Vikings. I think it was his Wednesday show. He talked about how in the last game, Bradbury is calling more wall formation type blocking schemes. And they did it, especially in the second half. Um, where he'll Dave, call... explain, explain what that means. Well, I wish I had something to show you, but I don't. Um, He's going to call left or right depending on what side is needed, right? And what it basically does is the guys on that side, say if you say if you take Bradbury and you take Cleveland and Hill, if Hill needs the help, right? Say they're their their strong side defensive wise or the most defensive side is to um Bradbury's left. He may call whatever the code word was for left. And what that does is those guys on the left, including the right-hand guard, um, Udo, come together and literally form a wall. And And when I say strong side, they're usually outnumbered, right? There's four blocking linemen if you take tackle, guard, center, guard. Four blocking linemen. And they're usually outnumbered. There's five rushers on that side. You have five defenders on that side. So it's more than a one-on-one situation. He'll call this wall-type maneuver. They move over, and they're literally almost shoulder-to-shoulder in a defensive-type blocking stance, blocking these five people. Watch the tape. You'll see it. Once once you've heard about it and once you look, you instantly see that's exactly what they're doing. And what happens is they just they're shuffling the the rushers in between these five uh, the the four offensive linemen 
and they're literally making a wall on that side, and it's very difficult to get around. O'Neill on the other side, he's on an island. He's got to do his thing, but that's what we pay him for, and he's damn good at it. So it's it's mostly to the left. Uh, you rarely see it to the right because O'Neill's good, but it's because defenses will attack our weaker side of the line, which is the left side. That's where Hill's at. Um, and they'll do that. And it's when they outnumber it. Bradbury sees it. He calls the formation. He changes, you know, he calls the normal formation when he gets up to the line. If they bring somebody up in the box or whatever, because um, we were facing at least eight guys in the box most of last week, um, which makes Alexander Madison's performance on last Sunday just absolutely even more extraordinary. Facing eight guys in the block, in the box. And the way they defeated this was calling this basic wall blocking formation. And and it worked to a T. Expect to see that or more of that this Sunday. If they put somebody in the box, especially if I, I could say if either Dalvin or Madison are playing, um, they're going to focus on that side with Hill. Because if I was... Um, Garrett, that's who I want to go against. You know, pad my stats some more. It's going to be the easiest way. Going over O'Neill's not now. However, over on O'Neill's side, right, you don't have a slouch over there either um, for defensive end. You I'm have, glad you brought that up, Dave. Right here. Because Jadavion Clowney's on the other side. He is. But how good is Clowney? Uh, he's not bad. Was, he's not great, yeah, but not, he's not bad. He was, he was the number one overall pick. Right. <laughs> and uh, last year, he played for the Titans the whole year, and he had zero sacks. Uh-huh. Zero. Last week, he got two. The previous two weeks, he didn't have any. I watched those two games. As I said, the Bears game, I don't even know if you can g- gather anything from it. Uh, it was just uh, <laughs> Fields was overmatched. They had a 37-year-old left tackle trying to block Miles Garrett. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no, no offense, but uh, <laughs> uh, but Jason Peters is uh, it was a great left tackle, one of the best. But uh, those days, you know, he's not. Those days are over. Garrett one on one. I feel pretty good about O'Neill being able to handle Clowney. Uh, one-on-one because I have not seen Clowney do a whole lot in the in, in the games that I've watched. Uh, he's been pretty much you would expect. You know, he's got a great reputation. He's never had he's never even had ten sacks in the season ever. Nine point five is his tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I think he's. I think Clowney is like an is an average player, uh, and Brian O'Neill should be able to handle him for the most part. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about Miles Garrett. I got one I'm of sure my dogs Vikings, asking I'm to sure, go out already. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the Vikings are worried about Miles Garrett too, but uh, like you said, there are ways to uh, to Im- impact and and defend Garrett. Uh, the Vikings were going up against Chandler Jones, who had five sacks the week before. He did end up getting one, but I thought his impact in that game was pretty minimal as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that I think the Vikings uh, can game plan and find a way to stop Garrett because. If you stop him, I think you stop the, uh, the you know the Browns pass rush, and uh, the interesting thing is you know Garrett's no joke uh, because uh, even on run plays, uh, the the Chiefs and the Texans never ran to Garrett's side. Never, they never they they didn't want to have anything to do with Garrett in pass or run. 
just so uh, Garrett must get pretty bored over there. I hope he's very, <laughs> I hope, I, I hope he's very bored on Sunday. Yeah, I, or if if he's not, at least that it's because he's on his backside because we've defended against him well or been offensive offended him well. So we'll see. Moving on to the third topic, um, which is, uh, oh, we're going to get to this. The offense. (laughs) Guys in there have been talking about how good Cousins has been. He's been throwing at a high, very high percentile. Um, You can see his PFF score is absolutely outstanding. Um, he's one of the best. I don't remember where he's ranked, but he's in the top five, if I remember correctly. Um, you have his play on top of that O-line play, which we showed you the stat. Um, boo, let's bring the O-line one back up. Here, the O-line. Now, the stat keepers aren't as friendly on this one. You have uh, football outsiders with where they... Literally do the O-line DVA, DVOA, right? And they take all the games, average them together. They wait more the more recent games, but we've only played three, so that doesn't kick in yet. Yep. So over the season right now, they have us 18th for the run and 14th for the pass. Um, overall, we were 18th as well. Uh, PFF, I don't know how they do their runs or their O-line scores, but the the total O-line, they have it 59.5, 60 as average. Um, so it it we, runs about We don't same. know how they do it. We just know that Zimmer hates it. Yes, and, and he's not the only one. There's a lot of people that dislike it. The time PFF is really good is at the end of the season. Their accumulative grades seem to be more accurate because it throws out um, when, you know, the guy blocked this guy and they think he missed, you know, but actually his assignment was just to tip him and move up to the second level or whatever. They're not knowing the exact place. It's the same thing that uh, um, Patrick Peterson bitches about on the defensive side. Ooh, we got one bar and love against joining the show. That's great. Um Thanks, thanks, boys, for the for the, the compliment. Uh-huh. Okay, it's one of my favorite shows. I watch them daily. Um, if you ever get a chance, a unique sense of humor, uh, you get to, to laugh and have a good time as they talk very knowledgeable on their football and the Vikings. Now, went over the old line. Let's go back to the offense. Overall, even with that old line, the offense is doing extremely, extremely well. For ESPN, for yards produced, we're third in the league right now at 425 on average. For Football Outsiders DVOA, we're ninth with fifth in the pass and the run at 23rd. And that's surprising me on that run because both... Cook and Madison have done very, very well. Um, this is an interesting question, Quang. Hopefully he answers. Because um, <laughs> I'd like to know. 
Uh, if those Lumpagas turned in 70 last night, that'd be amazing. There's a... Uh, um, but the offense has been doing very well. What do they need to do tomorrow, in your opinion, so that the Vikings are successful? The... Um... I think part of the 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 success of the Vikings uh, that, that the you know the the past two weeks in particular uh, the Cincinnati game was not a great showing by the offense and a lot of it was the offensive line I think Kirk was a little bit rusty in the first quarter or two he missed a few throws that he's been making the, the you know the last two weeks the offensive line got murdered by the Bengals front four the whole game and they committed a whole bunch of penalties. Uh, penalties have really gotten cleaned up the last two weeks. Uh, I, um, I think we took three against uh, the Cardinals, and wasn't much more than that in the uh, in the win over the Seahawks. Uh, so pe- playing a clean game that way is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't be racking up a bunch of holding calls on Miles Garrett, uh, trying to <laughs> prevent him from getting to the Cousins. Uh, playing at home should help. You know, we shouldn't have the big false start issues with crowd noise or that sort of thing. So playing a clean game that way is going to be important. But I also think that, oh, they're looking for the beer. Yes. <laughs> it's becoming my standby there, Joseph. However, but, but i got to go to – I pardon to interrupt you, Darren. I need a beer run no problem. between now and tomorrow's game because there will be a lot of beer consumed <laughs> during the game tomorrow. Yeah. But you know, either you need to consume it because you're really sad or or consume it because you're really nervous or consume it because you're really happy. <laughs> yes, either way works for me. Yeah. But I'd uh, the offensively I I think that that really the, the success comes a yeah you got to have a clean game, not have penalties that really set you back and put the Vikings in those down and distance situations that we know they cousins does not excel at because he's not a mobile guy mm-hmm. and if you ask him to have to pass and long range when the when we've got to get more than 10 yards it's going to be difficult uh, because that'll give the browns pass rush time to get at him and he's probably going to check down anyway <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> throw throw before the sticks that's not right. great um so yeah the I, two yards really, to cj ham yeah but really, that the you know, offense has to, the offensive line has to continue to be competent. Improve. Yes. Not, not give up. Uh, Rashad Hill, the Miles Garrett, Garrett Rashad Hill matchup is going to be huge tomorrow. Uh, not that Hill's not going to get some help, but when for the amount of time, whether it's 2.5 seconds or one second or three seconds, however long he's got to block Garrett when he's in the game. He has to win that battle the more often, like not more often than not, like 90% of the time. Can he do that? We, we don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. But that's going to be a big one. And the Vikings have to give him a little bit of help when they can. Yeah. Uh, I think really the Vikings screen game has to be on point in this one, just like it was against Seattle. You know, we're talking a lot about Miles Garrett here because he is the best right. player on that defense by far. But Garrett and the Browns defense, they've been flying around being very aggressive in the in the three games so far. You can use that aggressiveness against them with the screen game, just like the Vikings did against the the Seahawks last game where they, you know, they 
Cousins, you know, just teardrop those those uh, little screens to Madison or Abdullah or whoever was the running back. When they're way up the field, they can't recover. We get nice, solid, even big gains out of that. And that, I think the screen game has to be on point and working tomorrow. And that uh, features our offensive linemen, what they're exceptionally good at, yeah. especially Bradbury, yeah. where they're sliding Brad. out and getting in front of these Get. guys. And they're some of the best in the league that do that. And play to your strength. Hey, if it works, it works. And you get that nice yardage, nice slow progression down the field, hold the ball. If any of you want some good humor on Twitter, subscribe to Annie Agar. Um, she's the comedian that puts on the league reports every week. Uh, she also does college football, but her one last week on week three was funny because she was holding on to the ball like a baby with her Minnesota shirt on. And they're complaining that you don't have to give it or you don't have to hold it on to hold the ball so long. And the Minis- her is Minnesota, but I like it. You know, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a good way to keep the defense off the field fresh and a good way to win. And uh, the other thing that we have to do well is the, I think that just like last week, this week's matchup between Jefferson and Thielen and KG Osborne against the the Browns set of of cornerbacks, that is a matchup that we uh, should, uh, we we have a big advantage in, I believe, and we should win that uh, as long as Cousins has a reasonable amount of time to throw the ball. Uh, really, uh, Greg Newsom the third is out this game. He's their rookie cornerback. Right. He's been starting. Um, some people say he's the best cornerback the Browns have. Uh, he, if he's out, uh, it looks like Greedy Williams is is in their second round pick right. from a couple of years ago, who was not really but, ah, was not bad. really done very well. Uh, Ward's on the other side. Uh, I'm not sure who they've got as a nickel cornerback, but but I like that matchup for the Vikings. I think Jefferson. Thielen, they should be able to win those battle those matchups uh, the majority of the time, and and Ozzy, well, yeah, and that Ozzy doing that, Conklin as well, although he mm-hmm. won't be covered by the the DBs as much, probably linebackers, but you, you, that is a, a matchup that the Vikings have to win, and I think they they will win in this game, um, and. Uh, you know, JJ was last week. the The Vikings really fed JJ. I like that. Um, but the, the the beauty about the Vikings is, you you try to shut down one guy. Well, right now there's two other guys that we've got on the out wide that you can hit and are going to be productive as well. Right. I think I think we have more weapons than the Browns when it comes to the offensive side, and I think we need to take advantage of that specifically. And we do have a lot on our offensive side, and we've listed them all. And, yes, shut down one, the others will kill you. But um, one thing to uh, – a couple of things about the Browns' defense is, is that uh, I don't know what we can take out of this, but one way, one reason why it could be very important – it will be probably very important for the Vikings to throw the ball well, whether it get the screen game going and have Justin Jefferson, Thielen, K.J. Osborne, Tyler Conklin – uh, have big games in the passing game is because the Browns' defense has been very stingy with uh, as far as uh, stopping the run. Um, I was uh, trying to – I'm going to 
take a look at my my little handwritten stats here, mm-hmm. but they've uh, they basically they've they nobody's run for over a hundred yards in the entire game against them this year, uh, and they've they're yeah. you're it's a the opponents are averaging roughly about three yards per carry. That's very very low. very very low, but. Yeah, what can we take out of that again? The first game against the Chiefs, running plays are something Andy Reid does when he's bored <laughs> and doesn't want to and doesn't want to pass anymore. They they never commit to the running game anyway. Uh, in the second game, you had the Texans, and they've got Mark Ingram and David Johnson are their running back combo, and they're you know Ingram's okay, Johnson's maybe less than okay. That's not really a great running attack there and uh, last week David Montgomery who is a very good running back but he didn't get much going because the, the Bears off because the Browns defense knew that that's who they had to key on they mm-hmm. they you know they they weren't worried about fields they figured we were just gonna pressure him and uh, you know we'll stop the run and, and worry about the rest later so Montgomery could never really get going either the Vikings running running backs whether it's if Cook's in the game or if Madison's in the game they're better than all those other guys that the Browns have faced and maybe our offensive line is is a little bit better than those offensive lines that's up for debate but I think that this is a running attack it will be the stiffest test for the Browns uh, so that but I think it'll still be a struggle for us to run with the success that we have seen, we're used to seeing from the Vikings. So really the passing game, I think, has to continue to be strong like it was last week. And I like the fact that last week I felt the Vikings uh, passed a fair bit more on downs they they would normally run if they had Cook in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt they were a little bit less predictable on that. Like that third and eight late in the game, or it actually was third and nine late in the game. I don't know about you, but I thought that they were just going to hand it off to Madison. Nope. Cousins nope. drops back, throws a you know a ten yard pass to Jefferson, who'd been killing anybody who had been guarding, who'd been covering him all game. Just an easy pitch and catch. Uh, and I'd like to. I think a lot. You know, we need to that, see more of that mixed up more. play calling. Mix up play calling, less predictability. Don't let the Browns get a read in what you're trying to do, um, particularly, and particularly when we get in the red zone. wasn't an issue in the first half, but in the second half, I felt there was some wussy play calls. I know what the Vikings were trying to do there late in the game. They wanted to keep running the clock. They didn't want passing uh, passes that got incomplete that would stop the clock. But uh, you know that. That their second field goal, they had a second and ten or something like that, and the Seahawks were loading the box. Everybody knew, everybody could tell that the Seahawks were trying to prevent the run and stuff it. The Vikings had to know that. They still handed off to Madison anyway. He gets stuffed for no gain. The next, the next down, Cousins rolls out and throws it away on a with Madison in the area. That was kind of a wasted. I didn't like that play call. And then the next drive. We're down inside the five, second and whatever, second and goal. We hand it off to C.J. Ham, C.J. Ham, at the goal line. Like and mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't at the one yard line. We right. were at the four <laughs> or five, and then the next play, we was kind of a giveaway, like bubble screen to Thielen right. with a whole bunch of traffic. Just not. It wasn't. We weren't going for the jugular there. We weren't. One t- touchdown there would have sealed the game. But we seemed to be content with running the clock and trying and setting up for field goals. Which drives and I just, us crazy. 
when you're playing really good teams, the Seahawks may not be a really good team. Maybe the Browns aren't a really good team either, but they're two and one. Uh, I think uh, they're better. You gotta, you gotta be willing to be a little bit aggressive. Sure, yeah. Might there, might Cousins get sacked, and and uh, you know you you lose some yards. Yep. Might there be a turnover? Yep. Also, you might get a touchdown and put the game away uh-huh. instead of depending on your kicker to make a field goal. Which uh, reminds so me I, of a, a meme I saw this week about Vikings going up and Zimmer saying, now it's time to run the ball and, you know, run out the time yeah. to defend yeah. the win. And Kirk is like, why don't we just run up the score and win that way? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll point out, we've talked about what, we think the Vikings or what I think the Vikings have to do on offense to be successful. Uh, I, I think we also have to, the, the Browns defense has looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, and everybody is going to talk about what they did to Chicago last mm-hmm. week. But um, th- I saw this little tidbit of stats on the daily Norseman uh, comment thread. And uh, I thought it was a very good, something I'd been thinking about, but I hadn't crunched the numbers. But they, they pointed out the Browns defense, this commenter pointed out the Browns defense versus Mahomes and Tyrod Taylor, who again played only half mm-hmm. of the game in the Houston game, is they've allowed 565 yards and 47 points and only sacked the quarterback twice. And the quarter, those two quarterbacks have completed 37 of 47 passes for 462 yards, through four TD passes and weren't intercepted. The defense, Browns defense versus Davis Mills and Justin Fields, well, they've allowed 191 yards, uh, given up 13 points, and those two quarterbacks completed only 14 of 38 passes for 169 yards, and one TD pass and one interception and 10 sacks, nine of which were on Justin Fields last week. Mm-hmm. So it's a tale of kind of it's a tale of two two defenses there. You've got how the Browns have defended against uh, quarterbacks who are starters. And Tyrod Taylor, by the way, in the half that he played, he was 10 for 11 for 121, 125 yards. He threw one TD pass. He ran for one, and then he got hurt. Right. But he had the he had the Texans leading in that game, and he the Texans and Taylor really had the Browns defense confused. Taylor was doing a lot of RPO. He was in the shotgun all the time. And when he went RPO, uh, when he'd pull that ball out of the out of the back st- uh, stomach, there was a ton. He'd had, like, basically wide open throwing windows between the hash marks the whole time. Tyrod Taylor is not a guy that I think most football fans would say is like an all-pro. And he sliced and diced the Browns' defense in the time that he played. Um, Kirk is not that same quarterback like uh that taylor also used his legs well to evade the rush and 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 you know they all kirk's not going to be doing much rpo although he did do one last week remember dave and we got, <laughs> that was like the big biggest shock of of my vikings fandom <laughs> i thought seeing him do that we i, I think we only went for a one-yard game but, yep. but we have done it once um <laughs> You know, it's on Cousins tape. is going to be Cousins going to be yeah Cousins going to be uh, under center more than half the time. He's not going to be doing RPO when it's shotgun. It's going to be the obvious passing situation. So he's not the same type of quarterback as Mahomes and Taylor are. 
Uh, not the same type of offense, but he's still been he's still a good quarterback, and he's been playing really Very good these you know, these three games mm-hmm. um, in all levels, short, medium, yeah, and deep. Yeah. So the narrative that the Vikings are going up against this real eighty-five Bears defense, <laughs> like, well, maybe that's not the that's not the narrative. I haven't actually seen you <laughs> say that, but that, that's my narrative today, Dave. Okay, uh, I'm comparing them. To, I'm comparing them to the eighty-five Bears, so that's on me. But uh, I I think that the the Browns defense has to, you know, they have to prove that they're as good as some of their stats have shown. They got to show that they can shut Cousins, Cook. Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen down, just like they shut down uh, Davis Mills and whoever was playing with him. <laughs> I agree with uh, Viking Jerome here. No mercy. And Quang, strike first, strike hard. No mercy. Now, hey, first first quarter DVOA. Did I mention that? No. Yeah. Maybe we'll mention that to, as a don't let me forget. All right, I won't. But speaking of not forgetting, you asked me to uh, get a picture of this guy, Demetric Felton, running back. Yeah, just a um, Felton's. Um, I noticed him in the games that I watched the Browns. Really, he's not going to get he's not going to get a lot of touches, but he's their kickoff uh-uh, and punt like returner, five. and uh-huh. and he's a on the offense. He's also. Uh, and he also sort of a he's a third down kind of scat back. He, obviously, he's not getting a lot of touches because uh, they've got Chubb and Hunt, and they're pretty damn good. <laughs> but uh, th- this guy, uh, the Vikings, particularly the Vikings kickoff and punt coverage, is going to have to be uh, as uh, is going to have to be as strong in this game as they have been in the previous three because he's a slippery dude, and uh, and he had a, like a real highlight reel touchdown. Uh, off a screen against the Texans where he zipped and zipped and made 10 guys miss and got a touchdown. So uh, when he's in the game, um, pay attention to him because, uh, and the Vikings better pay attention to him because he's a skilled uh, uh, Yeah. And, and another weapon that they have that uh, you won't probably haven't heard of, but uh, he might make a few big plays in this game. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, our special teams have been playing extremely well so far this season. Um, yep. And it's not just Joseph hitting all his kicks last week. And Viking, I think it was Viking Jerome says uh, he needs to be have a good game again here. Yes, I agree. Um, and it hasn't been the great punts like the last one um, of the game the last coffin, week. Coffin corner. Coffin yeah. corner out on the one. God, that was a thing of beauty. Uh, but it has also great. been... Greg Coleman was smiling. <laughs> yeah. It was also just the normal special teams play. The punt yeah. gunners, the the guys in pursuit, they have been playing extremely well. And that will help. That is a good section of the game. It's an important one. And that will need to continue. And the one thing that the Vikings will have on their sides that the Browns will not. I don't care that Kevin Stefanski. Worked for the Vikings for 14 years and everybody likes him. The Vikings will have this, and Viking Jerome, I think, is one that mentioned it. They'll have the fans. That place was absolutely rocking last week. As you saw, um, Justin Jefferson was, wow, it's loud. And I think it was either Kirk or Adam Thielen goes, wait till we score or get the momentum. It gets even louder. Um, 
So having the fans on our side in that stadium absolutely rocking is something I don't think the Browns have seen before. So that should be interesting, especially if it know, gets they, in the... They did, they did play in uh, Arrowhead their first game. Well, well, true. Yeah, I'll give them that. Arrowhead's loud. That's about um, as tough a place to play as uh-huh. as there is. There is. But we'll, we shall see. Any last words before we go? You wanted uh, to talk I, about the, DVO, first quarter Well, DVO. Just, Well, just, uh, yeah, we do. I think we've always talked about Vikings got to start fast, and some mm-hmm. of the commenters have mentioned that. They've got to start fast. Got to you know put their foot on the neck of the Browns right away, get them playing defensively, get, get ahead of the, you know, get, get ahead of the game, uh, get a lead, see what happens. And um, I saw this on a football outsiders article where they're talking about the Vikings uh, offensive first quarter DVO DVOA, or they were, they put out the rankings of all the NFL, the top five mm-hmm. of first quarter offensive DVOA DVOA is the football outsiders a metric, metric for like, success of your team whether it's offensive or defensive uh, and they also football outsiders in this article also mentioned that the 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 worst five anyway um the vikings offense first quarter dvoa uh, fans will be happy to know is third best right now in according to their their stats uh 40.9 efficiency um the rams were number one and i believe i can't remember who was number two uh, but we were third and that's important uh, uh, for football outsiders said that's important because uh it's they said it's a leading indicator of future success so even though the vikings are one and two and or uh we were very uh, been very disappointed with their play so far uh, football outsiders, if you believe the the analytics nerds, uh, that is uh, an, uh, a sign that improvement is coming if it, if it hasn't already arrived. And uh, the reason it's it's an indicator of, of um, future success is because if you have success early in the games, uh, it can help you allows your team to get a lead and mount a mount a lead and force the other team to get out of. Uh, some play calls get a little bit more predictable and the play calling that they make uh, forcing them to play catch up and that's the position that uh, you all football teams want to be in is they want to be chased not uh-huh. the chaser or you know you know they don't want to be doing the chasing they want to be the one being chased right. they want to be ahead of the score so uh i thought that was interesting uh, i also don't know if it really reflects kind of what i've saw though because certainly uh, the Vikings' first quarter DVOA in the Cincinnati game had to be pretty bad because they didn't score any points. Right. <laughs> um, they didn't even, uh, you know, they, they thanks to a lot right. of penalties. Uh, in the Arizona game, yeah, I can see that because right. they scored on their first two drives. And then last week they scored on their first drive, but their couple of drives after that were, or, well, actually, their next drive, they didn't uh, get any points out of that. So... Well, it seems but like the I, opening script is very good for the most part, yeah. unless you shoot I yourself the, in the foot. And then, yeah. and then whatever um, Clint has done after that, he he takes a little bit, but he adjusts and is effective, which is good. Until we get into the defend the win mode later, but. But but if you're looking for if you if you've been looking for the Vikings this year to start fast and get off to a fast start at least offensively, the Vikings 
have been doing that. And so uh, hopefully that trend continues tomorrow against the Browns because uh, uh, I would also like to see the defense start fast. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, yes, and like they were they, playing they, in the second half last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Vikings defense has been like horrible in stretches all three games, and then they've had stretches where they've actually looked like a pretty functional, solid defense. defense. I don't know which is which. I do um, know that the tackling has been bad the whole game, all three games. And right. that's well, we talked about tomorrow. this offline about how if their communication gels and the more they play, it more it seems to be last week we had the second half to, you know, as evidence, they could be a very good functional defense and the Vikings can win a lot more games if that line of improvement keeps going, right? Especially on the defense. If the communication gets there because it is a total bunch of new guys talking to each other. The offense still continues to play well and play better. This could be a dangerous team. Like Mary said earlier, tomorrow will be the test. GMAC, I hope you're right. This would be sweet if this could be done. What a demoralizer for the team and shit chocolate brown. Um, even though they'll be wearing the whites, numbers will be brown. Um, should be interesting. Last words, Darren, before we go. I'm, um, I haven't said this yet. I'm feeling a Vikings victory, but I think it is going to be a close game. Um, these teams are pretty evenly matched, I believe. But uh, I feel that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see the Vikings. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like 34-28. That's what I'm going to go with for a Vikings victory. Uh, not super confident about that, I might add, but uh, I am going to go with it's it. It's going to be a test, and, uh, and and the Vikings have to have to. When you go into like a, you know, all the games become, you got to win it, you got to win it. But really, uh, the Vikings they win this one, they get to two and two. Uh, they keep pace with that team from Wisconsin, who are going to beat the Steelers, um, and. Mm-hmm. If we if we lose, we're going to go one and three. We're going to be right there with with uh, Detroit, who is going to get its first win against the Bears, and yeah. we're going to be two games behind that team from Wisconsin. And that's that's, that's too big too of a far. hole when you consider that that uh, really with all the teams in the other divisions, getting a wild card is going to be very difficult for any team in the NFC North. The the playoff right. the path to the playoff is you got to win the division somehow to get in the playoffs at all. Right. And the, the Vikings, I believe, are not going to get a wild card. Uh, they, you know, win the division. Joseph, no, I'm not changing my official prediction. I predict a loss because whenever I predict them to win, they lose. So I'm predicting them to lose. Uh, I, again, I, I feel I feel the the other way. Okay. <laughs> like um, I feel it's now that pure now sacrificial, that I think, Joseph. Uh, uh, I do believe. We can beat the Browns. Um, but I'm picking it the other way because I want it to be sacrificial and I'm going to go 0-4 on my picks. That's the only reason. Uh, with that, what do we say? Skull Vikings, baby. Skull, everyone! We'll see you tomorrow after the game for the final score. I shouldn't say after the game. We'll probably be live in the last two minutes. Come join us and have a great weekend. And make it a purple one. Thanks everybody for showing up and thanks.
thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. <laughs>